Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to a special Yom Hazikaron, Yom Atzma'ut show, Israel Memorial Day, Israel Independence Day. As you probably know, or if you don't, you'll learn soon enough that uh, these are these two holidays are fused here in Israel. They are back-to-back. It's a very powerful uh, a union between uh, the f- memory of the fallen and the celebration of the independence, uh, which are, of course, tied into one another. Uh, but in Israel, they're actually tied into one another in terms of how the holiday, this, this, this kind of duo works together. Uh, it's a very painful, on the one hand, and then powerful, on the other hand, days. Uh, it's a day, let's call it one long day, like Rosh Hashanah. Uh, there's something to it, and uh, it's just something that people... There's a there's a hyped up emotion in the country, and I'm recording this intro right now a little bit after the Yom Ha'atzmaut Israel Independence Day celebrations at night, uh, and I've been to a uh, great bar mitzvah that you're going to hear about, and then I went to my good friends and we watched the national uh, ceremony uh, with the fireworks and with the with the with the flag parades and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, Tekes, what's the word tekes in English? Uh, a lot of ceremony that's involved in uh, in the way Israel does it. It's a little bit of a holdover from some of the more communistic type of uh, roots of Israel. Uh, and some of it is fun. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, more secular than I would like it to be. Uh, but in any case, um, we are very much uh, in the throes of this two-day holiday uh, and I wanted you to hear some of the sounds. So today's show is some of the sounds that I recorded along the way. So first you're going to hear from Josh Haston, uh, who met me in the cemetery uh, to commemorate uh, Israel uh, Memorial Day. And then you'll hear some of the uh, sounds of the uh, horn, the blaring uh, of the sirens blasting. And uh, maybe we'll get some sound of some of the singing that I heard in the... Uh, uh, at the um, at the cemetery. From there, we'll go to Ben Bresky, who's going to uh, share with us a story about a great Zionist who was kind of forgotten. Uh, that's going to be interesting. And then from there, we're going to move over to Independence Day, and we're going to hear from Caroline Glick and from Ari Abramowitz and Jeremy Gimpel. Uh, and that's going to be it. It's going to be uh, give you a little bit of a taste of the of the sights and sounds uh, of Yom Zikaron and Yom Atzmud and the feelings. Uh, really, which is it's it is these are days of feelings in many ways. Uh, so we'll 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 try to get those feelings across as well. All right, so let's start it up with Josh Haston and myself going and meeting uh, him at the cemetery uh, where thousands, literally thousands of people uh, here in in Gush Etzion, Judea, uh, came to pay respects uh, to those who gave their lives uh, for the cause of Israel. All right, folks, Yishai Fleischer here, and I am outside uh, at the cemetery in Gush Etzion, uh, and today is Israel Memorial Day, Yom, Yom Zikaron, and I'm looking around, and I see thousands. I don't know, it looks like 2,000 people are, have arrived, and I see more are coming, and I'm standing with uh, one of my favorite folks here, Josh Haston. Uh, Josh, uh, thank you, by the way, for posting in one of our groups about this event that, that actually made me come out here, and uh, you and I... We know a few people here, but we also know a few people buried here. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, we know a lot of people who are attending um, in this world, and unfortunately a lot of people buried down below, those who were killed defending the state of Israel and those who were murdered in terror attacks. And I was just walking around down below, and some of the families are actually standing alongside the graves of their loved ones and sharing the stories of their lost Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children, unfortunately. Uh, so today, it really, really puts it into perspective uh, what we are fighting for. It puts into perspective the losses we have suffered over the years in order to claim this land, our eternal homeland, our birthright, our heritage, and those who paid the ultimate price, many of them buried right here in the cemetery here in Gush Etzion. I mean, this is a historic cemetery. I mean, Gush Etzion was... Uh, part of the modern state of Israel before the state of Israel existed. You had communities here in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. A lot of Jewish blood spilt on this land so that we can be here today as free Jews, 
um, in, in this generation. So it's uh, on one hand, it's you know we go into Independence Day tonight and celebrate our freedom, but first you have to recognize where you came from, and Memorial Day is the epitome of that, and that's why those two days are eternally tied together. First, we mourn the loss and the price that we paid for that freedom. And tonight we're going to start celebrating. So it's the most emotional week of the year here in Israel. For those of you who haven't been here, those who those of you who are looking to come to Israel and visit, I would highly suggest. And I know there are a lot of groups from abroad. This is the week to get the full Israeli experience. I really appreciate what you're saying, especially since sometimes uh, in America we have a hard time, or in other countries, or anybody listening around the world, we have a hard, people have a hard time connecting to this. They don't, and I, I don't mean to say it's like hard for them intellectually. Just they just don't know the amazing amount of emotion and feeling that we have right now. And let me just describe the scene for everybody. There's a lot of young people here. There's families, and there's also a lot of soldiers from different units. The colors, uh, red berets and green berets and, and, and uh, leopard berets and all kinds of stuff like that. And I see just all kinds of like well-known people, and they're just kind of waving to me. And, and, and they're smiling because it's nice to see one another, but there's like a deeper, like, we all know that there's like tears right behind, right behind the eyes. And that's because, as you said, it's about sacrifice. It's about the sacrifice that that um, that, that these soldiers and other victims of terror also put down. Thing is, is that uh, there's a saying here in Israel, which I've heard in the last few years, which is Yom Hazikron reminds us. Uh, how does it go? That 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 Yom Hashoah reminds us why we need a Yom Zikron or Yom Zikron you know is here in order yeah. so that we won't have a Yom HaShoah yeah exactly no it's it's you know Yom, Yom HaShoah is the reason uh, uh, why I mean the Shoah happened because we didn't have the state of Israel and Yom, and Yom HaZikron is the reminder of the price that we paid uh, for having the state of Israel and certainly we would rather be on this end as painful and as hard as it is for Yom HaZikron I was talking to somebody last night actually um, and there was another ceremony another tekis here in Gush Etzion, and people were saying without a doubt this is the saddest day of the year you could talk about Tisha B'Av you could talk about the ninth of Av the destruction of our temples you could talk about Yom HaShoah but it was just last week um, but here you have and I think the reason is why a lot of people consider this the saddest day of the year is because it is current it is still happening you had 15 people murdered over the last month uh, here in Israel so Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust happened, and you, you have a number, 6 million, and that number is etched in, in stone. But here, unfortunately, you have a number that continues to increase, lo aleinu, that it shouldn't increase, but it's very current, it's relevant, and you have the actual families here who lost their loved ones who are taking part in this ceremony today. And I think that's really why, because of its current uh, um, currentness, is that a word? Of, of the reality of the situation, um, and which is why it's such a powerful day. There isn't anybody here, there isn't anyone here, by the way, who doesn't know somebody who wasn't either murdered in a terror attack or wasn't killed serving the country. It doesn't go, at least, if you don't know somebody personally, somebody who knows somebody, it doesn't go further than that, no doubt. It's a small country, and, uh, you know, there are not a lot of Jews in the world. You know, we get accused... The Jews get accused of all these things, of taking over the world with our billions and billions of Jews. There are only about 15 million Jews in the world, okay? You wouldn't know that from the amount of coverage and focus, I'm not getting into politics today, that are on Israel and on the Jewish people. But we are one big Jewish family, small actually, but one big Jewish family here. And you can see as more and more people, literally, as you described, thousands pouring into the cemetery to pay their respects to friends, family members, loved ones, uh, on this, arguably, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. So you mentioned uh, knowing somebody. I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, our friend uh, who's buried here. There's a lot of people, important people, good people who are buried here, and, and also victims and, and soldiers. But there's one that stands out to, to Anglo audiences. That's Ari Fuld. Uh, he's buried in the cemetery, murdered not so far away from here, uh, walking distance from here, uh, at the nearby Tzomer uh, uh, Gush Mall. Uh, we're here, by the way, in kind of the heart of Judea. And as you're hearing more noise around me, that's because there's just more and more people flooding in, and we're just getting ready. And in just a few minutes, there'll be the um, the siren. Just tell me a little bit about Ari Fold. Give me, give me, a, give me a snapshot. So Ari was a true hero of Israel. I mean. He was an inspiration. I don't even think we realized in his short lifetime 
how much of an inspiration he was to thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. You can just go on social media with all of the hashtags and all the dedications from all over the world, people that Ari touched. I mean, he had time for everybody. You know, I saw one of the things his brother wrote on social media saying that he was 24-7, and I really, I don't know when the man slept in terms of his advocacy for the state of Israel, his dedication to the IDF, serving in reserve duty way beyond his required uh, uh, army service, and uh, his brother described how he held the, the biggest gun, and that's just one thing. But in terms of the advocacy and the inspiration, it didn't matter who you were, from the you know the furthest farthest away to the person closest here in Israel, it didn't matter. Ari was a symbol for the Jewish people, and he was a personal friend of yours, a personal friend of mine, and his loss is, is felt here today. I just gave his father a hug. Happened to be actually a teacher of mine, a professor of mine, in Barilan University. Just gave his father a hug and spoke to his his widow Miriam. Um, and this is a difficult day for them and for those who lost their close family members. And certainly, the Fold family unfortunately fits into that into that uh, category here uh, today. On Yomazi Karon. We're about 10 minutes out from the uh, sirens. Right in front of us are three female soldiers, one wearing a, 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 a black beret, one wearing a purple beret, one wearing a green beret. Uh, I think one represents tanks, another one represents uh, the Givati Brigade. There's, uh, there's two male soldiers, uh, one for the paratroopers, one from the Givati Brigade. Uh, and uh, we're being surrounded by people who either have been touched by this uh, on, on a very personal level or on the national level. We're all touched by this. And I really hope that, that, that we can communicate to, to you out there uh, what it feels like uh, to be here today, Yom Azikaran. Indeed, the saddest day. And as you talked about, also that transition tonight, that, that stark transition, which, which the transition itself is this beautiful thing where, like, we, we mourn the dead, and now we celebrate that great victory. And at the same time, the State of Israel, um, this is my show for Yom Atzimut as well, the State of Israel is, I wrote on Twitter, not at its healthiest, not at its peak Zionism, not at its peak strength, but we're still here. And that prophecy that some in the Islamic world have said that Israel will be finished by 2022, you can see that today, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. We may be a little bit hobbling, we may have been uh, not at our, you know, finest hour but we're still very much around and we're just on the way towards strength yeah we are, we're gonna get there you shy i mean it's it's it, it's a fact it's a fact we're around uh for thousands of years while all other empires have fallen there is no more rome there is no more greece there is no more egypt there is none of those nations exist the jewish people are alive and well and even with the issues you mentioned and uh, imperfections which we have today just looking around and seeing literally thousands of people pouring down here to memorialize the uh, the victims and those who fell defending and then at 8 o'clock tonight the flags go up our flags are raised and it is the biggest party on earth so if you're listening and you have not been to Israel during this week I highly encourage you if you had one week to pick uh, when you're planning a trip to Israel, I would say pick the week between Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, and Yom HaTzmog, Israel's Independence Day. It is truly remarkable. It's nothing like anything else in the world. I guarantee you that. So thanks for the opportunity, Shai, to talk to you uh, and your listeners here today. Josh Haston, uh, uh, your podcast here on the Land of Israel Network. Uh, is great. Uh, you're also uh, an oftentimes uh, writer, commentator in Jerusalem Post and JNS, other magazines, uh, and also a spokesman uh, for the uh, for the Chevron for the. <laughs> that's me. I'm Chevron, right? For the Gushetzion Regional Council, uh, and we thank you so much, and thank you for bringing us here uh, to this beautiful tekes, this beautiful ceremony, uh, so meaningful. So many people. I can't believe it. I came here like 20 minutes ago. And now it's just like there's thousands of people have poured in, and we're just a few minutes away from that siren. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for your uh, thanks for the opportunity, and have a Chag Sameach tonight.
folks so that was Yom HaZikaron some of the sounds of Yom HaZikaron of course there's a lot more a lot more to talk about Yom HaZikaron uh, including all the, the you know the, the various amazing shows that I watched about the, the Air Force and the, the, the Yom Kippur War and the losses there and then and the children that grew up in, in the Air Force bases and all kinds of stuff they really find every single year you know another way another angle to, to tell us about the, the impact of these things uh, and it's painful and it's powerful and it and it binds you. It binds you to the story of Israel. Speaking of the story of Israel, sometimes stories get lost because there's so many people that do so many good things as, as part of this great return. It's really a, a, such a mass project. Sometimes a great person gets lost. And our own Ben Bresky researched and wrote a story uh, about one such lost Zionist. So here is Ben Bresky reading uh, a story about... A, fam- an, a person who should be famous, uh, and in fact, in the process of being recognized. Israeli President Isaac Herzog celebrated the Jewish holiday of Mimuna at the President's residence in Jerusalem. This holiday is unique to North African Jewry, specifically the Moroccan Jews, and marks the end of Passover. The celebration included a memorial to the early Zionist leader Rabbi Yehuda Bibas, B-I-B-A-S, who lived in and was buried in Hebron, marking the 170th anniversary of his passing. President Herzog called Rabbi Bibas one of the first forerunners of Zionism. His story is also the story of the Jewish infrastructure at the core of political Zionism. His tremendous historical contribution has not received sufficient recognition, and we are very pleased with the correction here today. In 1789, Judah Arye Leon Bibas was born in Gibraltar to a Sephardic Jewish family. One of his maternal ancestors was the famous Chaim Ibn Attar, one of the most prominent rabbis of the Moroccan Jewish community and author of the influential book Or Chachaim. Rabbi Bibas's father came from a line of rabbis that emigrated to Gibraltar. Bibas studied as a child in Gibraltar. After the death of his father, he moved in with his grandfather in Livorno, Italy, home to a prestigious and educated Jewish community. It was there that Bibas received his Jewish education, became a doctor, and gained fluency in English, Italian, Spanish, and Hebrew. He then returned to Gibraltar, where he established himself as head of a local yeshiva, attended by students from England, Italy, and North Africa. In 1810, he came to London, England, where he met with the famous Jewish activist and philanthropist Sir Moses Montefiore. The two later collaborated on many projects, Montefiore also being a staunch advocate of strengthening the Jewish population of the Land of Israel. In 1830, Bibas was appointed as chief rabbi of Corfu, Greece. By 1839, Bibas was well on his path of activism on behalf of uniting world Jewry in the land of Israel. It could be considered the beginning of the Zionist movement, proto-Zionism. The land of Israel at the time was ruled by the Ottoman Empire, based in Turkey, which was not always hospitable to the indigenous Jewish community. 
Inspired by the series of Serbian and Greek revolts against the Ottoman Turks, Rabbi Bibas advocated mass repatriation of Jews to Israel. In 1839, he embarked on a tour of European Jewish communities to advocate Aliyah. It was in that year that he met Rabbi Yehuda Alkali and became his mentor. Rabbi Alkali, inspired by Bibas, would go on to write several books detailing the need for mass aliyah from both a halachic and political perspective. It was Rabbi Alkali that first used the term Israelis and envisioned a new country in what was then Ottoman-controlled Palestine, where these new Israeli citizens would have self-determination. By 1852, one year after his wife passed away, the 63-year-old Rabbi Bibas made the permanent move to the land of Israel and was welcomed by his students in Jaffa. Later he moved to Hebron, where he built his extensive library and was appointed supervisor of the Magen Avot Fund, a local Hebron organization that helped purchase property and maintain community institutions. After years of advocacy work on behalf of the Jewish homeland, he died only two months after his arrival to the land of Israel, and was buried in the old Jewish cemetery in Hebron, near the graves of many other great Jewish sages. The Jewish community of Hebron used to hold a ceremony for him every year on the eve of Yom Kippur. His vast collection of rare books was donated to local Jewish institutes of higher learning in Hebron. According to a brief article from the Jewish Telegraphy Agency from 1952, the world-renowned Dead Sea Scrolls may have originally been housed in Rabbi Bibas's library. At least a professor Solomon Zeitland believed that to be so. Whether or not Rabbi Bibas, knowingly or unknowingly, had possession of one of the world's most important ancient documents may never be known. The ransacking of his precious library and the selling of Jewish holy texts was followed by the raising of the cemetery and desecration of his final resting place by the Jordanians who controlled Hebron and all of Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem's old city from 1948 to 1967. Today, the legacy of Rabbi Bibas is in the philosophy of a Jewish right to self-determination and a return to the ancestral homeland based on religious precepts and national aspirations. These concepts were revolutionary at the time, but went on to influence the creation of a thriving Jewish state. All right, thank you very much, Ben Bresky. That was an important lesson uh, about how many people do great work for the story of Israel. It's such a giant project, but sometimes they get lost. So thank you, Ben Bresky, for not only researching and also writing and reading to us that important article. You are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and I do want to thank Ben Bresky, Yocheved Seidman, Moshe Herman, and Tabitha for getting the show out to the world. Thank you so much. Your help is indispensable. And now let us, uh, actually, before I get to what we, uh, let's, before I get to the next section, let me just also thank not just the folks who make the show happen, uh, but also God Almighty, of course, for letting us broadcast to you, uh, and all of the great folks who have given and donated recently through Buy Me a Coffee. A lot of you have done that. I really appreciate that. It makes a big difference for me. Uh, it makes a big difference about how we feel and how we operate as well. So please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. Buy a few cups of coffee. Wow, it, it makes a tremendous difference and makes, makes us feel great and keeps us emotionally and spiritually caffeinated. Um, also, we have great sponsors of the show, including the Israel Bible, uh, the Israel Bible is a, a unique uh, and an awesome piece of uh, holy literature. It's the, it's the Tanakh with translation, with transliteration of important verses, with commentary by important uh, thinkers about the land of Israel, specifically all edited and put together beautifully by Rabbi Tully Weiss and uh, put out by Koren. It's a wonderful volume for your library. It's called The Israel Bible. And it's found at theisraelbible.com. Put in coupon code Yishai, bang, you will be a, a recipient of of uh, some percentage points off this incredible thing, which is, uh, it, it, you know, it's not it's not that it's value, it's valuable. Uh, so that's the Israel Bible. And of course, our good friends at Prohibition Pickle, now at their new website, which is just a beautiful website just to behold, prohibitionpickle.co.il. Um, 
Ashkenazi food that makes all the difference. Chaim came over and delivered some great salami here to my house, like three or four different kinds. Now, if you like salami, I know a lot of you like our foodies and you guys are into the whiskeys and this and the that and the herrings. You know what? I like salamis. Okay, sue me. My wife thinks that it's, you know, I don't know what. She, she, she's not a big salami fan, but she's got other things like great pickles that she's a fan of. But I'm a fan of different salamis. So uh, at Prohibition Pickle, we, we get different kinds. Uh, and me and, and my daughter, Leah, we enjoy it. Sometimes just even a slice or two, if we're fleshing already, just a slice or two uh, in the evening is just fun. It's just a, it's just a you know, it, it, it's it's a palate thing. And I'm not like such a foodie, but I really enjoy it. Uh, and especially for Shabbat. I mean, Chaim and Prohibition Pickle are Shabbat kings. Uh, and they make f- meals fit for kings and queens uh, that love the taste of Shabbat, of Shabbos, of Shabbos. Check out their website, prohibitionpickle.co.il. It's great stuff, and of course, it's de- deliverable, and it's also it's also a great gift for somebody that you love. So check out prohibitionpickle.co.il, great, uh, great Ashkenazi kosher food here in the land of Israel. Um, right, and what else? Oh yes, the Hebron Fund, the Jewish community of Hebron makes all the difference in the world for the tombs of the forefathers and mothers and the strong community around it. Support our strong community by making it stronger. Check out uh, hebronfund.org. We have an amazing barbecue, which we're going to tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, actually. And that barbecue is going to be uh, of um, for soldiers and for supporters. And it's going to be really, really special. I'm excited to have a barbecue in Hebron tomorrow on Yom HaTzmaut and see the flyover. So that's hebronfund.org. And without further ado, let's get to uh, the rest of the program where we talk a little bit about Yom Ha'atzmaut. And I was at uh, Avi uh, Abelo's son's bar mitzvah, and I bumped into some of my friends, including Caroline Glick, the famous author. Let's hear from her how she sees uh, Yom Ha'atzmaut. All right, folks, the transition has been made, and we are past Yom HaZikaron. And now I'm at the uh, wonderful bar mitzvah of my friend Avi Abelo. Uh, His son is... uh, you can, no, Davis, you can hear the, the music in the background over here. And we're beautiful Eretz Ayalim, which is in Gush Etzion, a forested kind of wonderland. And there's these beautiful type of bulbs and, and there's a fog, but it's great. There's these old cars around. It's a lot of fun. And I bumped into uh, Carolyn Glick, famous star of stage and screen uh, and writing, uh, writes in every important publication possible. And she's got a huge... Uh, Huge uh, uh, a resume, but also now recently wonderful podcasts and video casts that you've been putting out that that my friends and I have all like become uh, real listeners to yours. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to compliment her in front of her, but uh, really one of the important thinkers and, and understanders of the situations around the world. I've I've always been amazed at her insight, and it's fun to see you here at this uh, bar mitzvah. And and you know you you write always about you know realpolitik. You're like you're gritty. You're a gritty, like political writer, but but let's just talk for one second. You just, uh, uh, like all of us, went through that transition of Yom Zikaron. It was a hard day. Not only was it hard on, on every year, but this year, plus 15 of people that were murdered in the past month. Uh, and the sense that the jihad is strong on the Temple Mount. And the sense that Zionism has a certain slippage. And at the same time today, we're coming now into, into Yom Atzmaut, a day that we celebrate and 74 years, and it's still an awesome project, and here we're in a beautiful place. So I wanted to kind of get your feelings before we get your, your realpolitik, your feelings on, on the situation, and, and how, do you, how are you feeling this Yom Atzimut? Yeah, Well, it's really cool to be just out of, you know, apropos of nothing, doing a radio show with you in the middle of a bar mitzvah, so thanks for asking me. It's just kind of neat. Um, so it's interesting. You were talking about my podcast, and I actually just moved it to JNS.org. Uh, this is my 50th episode, and the first one with JNS. And I interviewed uh, Professor Yisrael Oman, who won the Nobel Prize for Economics. And we were talking. He's a he's a bereaved father. His son Shlomo was killed in the Lebanon War. And um, my husband, uh, Shimon, was a soldier in the paratroopers in the Lebanon War. And he uh, and I always go at the end of... Uh, Yom Zikaron to visit his friends at uh, the military cemetery in Mount Herzl. So it was the second time actually we ran into P- Professor Oman when he was visiting his son and we were visiting Shimon's friends. And, um, you know, 
it, it, there's something. We we ran into him, just and we ran into all of these other people and Amcha Yisrael and we just you know everybody at Har Herzl, just like our our, our fallen uh, heroes, are are all brothers in arms. We're all brothers and sisters in bereavement and in um, love for this country and. There's this weird feeling on Har Herzl when you go there on Yom Hazikaron. It's of warmth and of everybody. Kol Yisrael chavarim, achim. The whole people of Israel are, are brothers. And then you come out and you have this joyous day of Yom Ha'atzmaut. And this is when we get to revel in, in what those uh, men who are buried on Mount Herzl uh, sacrificed in order to protect for us and preserve and defend. And now here we are at this really cool place celebrating the bar mitzvah of a good friend of both of ours, Avi Abelo. And we're standing by this old, this guy as the weirdest decor and it just works somehow, right? We're standing underneath a fig tree with the uh, figs uh, growing and parked beneath it is like this old Volkswagen van that you could see. The Good Times van. Yeah, the Good Times van from San Francisco circa 1967. And, I mean, it's a a combination of everything, of the Bible, and uh, everybody will sit under his fig tree and his vine, and uh, and inside of his Winnebago, (laughs) and just go. We're free. We should revel in it. We should revel in our ancient homeland. We should revel in our in, in, in our fraternity with our fellow Jews and with our love for our country and with the freedom of a Winnebago. Right. Uh, and, and that's a, a type of natural, organic type vision uh, of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, uh, an ancient people returning to their land. It's a beautiful uh, thing coming to fruition, a beautiful ancient promise, a biblical promise. But at the same time now, maybe transition a little more Caroline Glickish. We'll, we'll, we'll ask like, okay, but at the same time, the state of Israel is a mechanism. It's a vehicle for us to fulfill our ancient dreams. And sometimes it works great. And there's moments where it's worked amazing. And other times it's a little bit faltering. Now, now my judgment is that the jihad has a certain excitement right now because they sense, and they even have a so-called prophecy, that, uh, uh, that, that, that Israel is going to be done in 2022. And, it, you know, and, and maybe, maybe in a very superficial way you would think that this, this project is having some hiccups. Okay, and especially with the type of government that has in it uh, jihadist elements in the government itself, and really like the questions of what is a Jewish state. Uh, an- another example was this uh, prize. Another example was this prize that was given to uh, uh, to uh, uh, not prize, basically a gift that was given to uh, people who suffered. <laughs> that was our friend Jeremy Gimpel walking past. Uh, the the defense ministry gave this gift to all the people who were bereaved and it was this like clock that had peace and Muslim signs and almost no Jewish signs. So there's these elements of like these moments where we're like, oh my gosh, this thing is not fulfilling its potential. It's having a hiccup and it's in fact faltering in the sense of what is a Jewish state. There's no doubt that, you know, the underlying truth about this country is not being reflected in our government. And sometimes, uh, you know, we have these periods. This is certainly the worst government I think we've ever had because it's the furthest from Zionism we've ever had. Even the most dovish labor governments that we had in the 1990s, you, so first of all, there weren't any jihadists in it. The coalition wasn't dependent on the Muslim Brotherhood to survive, and this one is. And um, the left wasn't anti-Zionist so much in the 1990s. It was moving towards that, but it certainly hadn't reached the destination, and, and today it has. So we're definitely, there's a sense that we're kind of under foreign occupation almost, and, and, uh, and a dread, and a sense of dread. But uh, I think, you know, again, like, the, uh, the truths are what they are. This is our home. We are the Jewish people. We did come home, you know, for good, and for better or for worse, whether, and, and this is where we stay. And uh, we'll just have to survive them, you know, and we will, and we'll get rid of them. And eventually, when we have the government that's worthy of the people of Israel, then I think we'll be much uh, better off. I think, look, you know, we had 
very big difficulties in governance over the past five years with everybody just trying to get their claws into Netanyahu and bring him down. And maybe we needed, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't understand why we're here. You know, just a year ago or two, two years ago, we were at the gates of uh, Geula, you know, with Trump and Bibi and the sovereignty plan for Judea and Samaria. And today, we couldn't be further away from that. The Arabs are taking over all of the open land in Judea and Samaria. They're endangering where we're standing now in Gush Etzion. If you go outside your door, you see that all the land around all of our communities is being seized by Arabs with the permission of the defense minister. So, you know, we're in a very different position than we were in in January 2020. And uh, we just have to keep our eye on the prize and keep moving forward and keep fighting and we'll win because truth will out and because the Jewish people are are the eternal people and uh, this is our eternal homeland so it'll be okay but it, it it's going to be harder maybe we need it this time in order to appreciate what we had and to recognize that we live in an imperfect world with imperfect solutions and imperfect people. And nobody is going to be everything that you want. And you just have to be able to choose the best between imperfect options. Okay. All right. And let me just ask you two more questions. We're done very short ones, though. Okay, Zionism. Yeah. Z- Zionism. <laughs> Zionism. The word Zionism. Does it fit still? Do you like that word? Are you able to comfortable using that word? Or do you think there's a time for a new word or a new concept? Some, some of my... Zionist friends, our formerly Zionist friends, are now turning into some kind of. They want to also become a what I used to call neo-Zionism, or a kind of they're trying to find a new a new spirit, a, a you know a young Turks type of movement in the country. What do you think about the word Zionism today? That works for me. You know, I mean, it's not. It wasn't born yesterday. You know, we've always been Zionim. Zion Zion has always been the center of who we are. You know, from the very beginning, from Akedat Yitzchak, from the binding of Isaac. On, it's just been the center of who we are. Our whole lives, our whole providence, our whole eternity is wrapped up in that in Zion. So I don't know what else you would call it. And system change, government government system change, is that in the offing? Are we going to ever discuss the way our system runs? Where's the checks and balances? Why do we have a Supreme Court that that has you know as a super legislature? Uh, why why is there the sense that there's no representation of, of of geographic representation, of voter representation? There's just these like like these parties, and they're not very democratic. Like, do you see any any systematic change coming to Israel uh, heading into '75? Well, I think we have to have direct election of the prime minister, first of all, because so long as we don't have a direct election of the prime minister, we're going to be held hostage by the Arab parties and the radical leftists, because the right is split. You know, you have these breakaway right wingers who are turncoats who would prefer to, you know, uh, enthrone uh, the Muslim Brotherhood than allow the Likud and Netanyahu to be at the head of a government. So, so long as you have these... uh, these really pathological uh, politicians who we don't seem to be able to get rid of, like Yidon Saar and Naftali Bennett, you know, we need to be able to have direct elections from the prime minister. And I was talking to a colleague of mine who was like, but Carolyn, that's not enough, that's not enough. And I said, no, it's not enough, but we can't get anywhere until we can form a government that isn't beholden to, uh, to irredentist elements of Israeli society who side with our enemies. So I think that that's what we need to do first. And after that, you know, obviously we have to have massive judicial and, and legal reform in Israel. This is a problem that they're dealing with all over the West. We see it every day more acutely, more and more acutely in the United States, where progressives are taking over all of the uh, all of the national institutions of the United States and eroding them and destroying them from within. And uh, it's happening here. And, um, yeah, you know, either we're going to be able to reform it or we're going to have to do it with more difficulty, but it's going to have to be done because we didn't come here to allow a bunch of radical progressives and communists and anti-Semites to destroy us. It's not going to happen. 
Kellen Glick, I want to thank you so much. And I guess I guess we'll finish off with just a comment of Israel is still in a maturation process. We still have where to go. Uh, it was David Friedman who told me it's like Israel grow up. He said to me, you don't even have decided what your eastern border is. So you really you really it's time to grow up. And so we're wishing Israel a happy birthday. We're thankful for the success. We thank Hashem and God for the for the for the greatness of this time. And at the same time, Besiman with with at the seventy five. It's time to grow up, right? We're already an old lady, you know. Yeah, let's move on. What did David Friedman also? I had him on my podcast. He said more than half of the uh, members of the United Nations are younger than Israel. All right, grow up. Carolyn Glick, thank you very much. CarolynGlick.com and your podcast now moving to JNS.org. Keep up the good work. Thanks thank so much you. and happy Yom Atzmaut. Chag Sameach. That was Caroline Glick and she's awesome. And now let's hear from Arya Bramwitz and Jeremy Gimpel. Actually, Jeremy Gimpel. And now let's hear from Jeremy Gimpel and Arya Bramwitz. Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel just came back from Shirat David where he spoke, gave amazing Torah about, about the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. And you're here at the Bar Mitzvah. I'm sorry, Jeremy, to stop you. And I know I got to go, but please give me a little bit of Torah to understand where we are in this time. I'm going to try to summarize it for you because I spoke for about 20 minutes. Do it in four. Okay. So we are now celebrating, completing 74 years of our independence in Israel. And we are now entering in to the 75th year. And that means we have now completed three generations in the land of Israel. And when we left Mitzrayim, and we all know Maaseh Avot Siman Labanim, some mysterious way, the patterns of the Torah are mirrors of the future. It just took three days for the Jewish people to start doubting. They doubted themselves. They doubted their victory. Hayesh Hashem bekirbenu im ein. Chazal say those three days are three generations. And then Moshe says later, as they go into Eretz Yisrael, Kitavo el Aret, you're going to come into the land. V'tolid banim uvnei banim v'noshantem ba'aretz. You're going to go into the land, you're going to have children, and your children's children, after three generations, you're going to become corrupt. Be aware. We look at Yeshua's time, same thing that happened. Yeshua dies, the second chapter of Judges, all of his generation dies. All the survivors of slavery, once they died, the whole thing turned wrong. Then we see, hmm, the 75th generation. The next generation that's going to arise, all of the children survivors of the Holocaust in our generation, that parallel of avdut lecherut, from slavery to redemption, that we just live through this amazing mirror, they're all going to gather unto their fathers. And what we experience will be a memory that we commemorate. And now the fourth generation. I mean, Shaul HaMelech, the first king, then it was David. Then it was Shlomo. Fourth generation, the fall began. Matityahu Akohen Gadol. Then there was Yudah Maccabee. Then Shimon after him, the third generation, the fall began. It's like the Torah and all of our histories pointing us to this moment in time, telling us, hold the line. And I said one more thing. Yeshirat David, we learn. So you're saying, watch out. Don't have a fall. Watch out. Like everyone is watching. See, that's the thing. Every Jew, the whole every world Christian, is watching. Every atheist, every Muslim, every person, whether they want to or not, they've seen a chosen people return to a promised land, and they're all watching us, whether they like to, whether they want to, and they're watching what is going to happen to us in our generation. All right, so so watch out. Next. Well, here's the Make thing. sure not to fall right now. This yes. is a moment not to fall. This is the moment you to could. hold the line. And it, right. It is... Not destined to fall, but every generation before us in that challenge fell. And now is the time to like glean from the wisdom of what is prophecy, if not transcendent wisdom, eternal truths, true 3,000 years ago in the time of Yeshua, true in 2022. But here's the difference this time. It's like, you know, what I said is that we learned the Ish Kodesh at Shirat David. And I have a picture of the Ish Kodesh, the rabbi of the Warsaw Ghetto in my living room right next to my front door in the heart of my home. And sometimes when I open my door, I imagine what he saw when he opened his door in Warsaw. And he saw just evil manifest and hell on earth and Nazis and swastikas and Jews dying of starvation. And then I open my door and I see palm trees in the mountains of Judea, Jewish children speaking Hebrew, tending to my flock of sheep in the mountains. What is going on? I think that if he were to open his door in Warsaw and then see what I see with my own eyes, 
I think that he would think that he was in Gan Eden. So we're at a stage now that really we are celebrating Yom Ha'atzma'ut right now in Gan Eden. We can already see Gan Eden when we squint. We're so close, we just need to hold the line now because the real celebration is on the horizon. Amen. Okay. All right. And and it does also say, I just want to say to you, it does tell Avram is told by God, the Dorevi Yeshuvu Hena. The fourth generation will return here. They will return after three generations of exile. They will return to the land of Israel. So may that be, and that's part of Breed Bain Abtarim, the covenant between the parts. So I hope that that fourth generation is us, that we're really going to come back to him right now. Nice. Uh, I love that. God bless you, Jeremy Gimpel. Oh my God, Arya Promise is here as well. I can't believe it. Oh my God. Hello, Arya. Chak Sameach. How was, how was uh, Yom Hazikaron for you? Uh, Yom Hazikaron was, uh, was a Chazak experience. I was invited to a friend of mine from Ibai Anachal. You know Ibai Anachal? Sure. The first breast of Yeshiva in Eretz They live in caravans. They're starting to build homes. Anyways, this guy was in Tan uh, Hanim, and he was an incredible warrior. Patrick And he was a medic. And then, uh, and he was in the Second Lebanon War, and friends died in his arms, and he just buried it deep in his heart for like 13, 14 years. No, I don't, well, something like that. And then he got this unbelievably crippling PTSD, and I was invited to like hear the story, and it was just, because a lot of, you know, you, you think about all the people that left the world, you know, forever young, he died at 21, left the world. There's something clean about that. You know what I mean? Sure. It's tragic, it's heartbreaking, but it's clean. I think about that all the time, about the injured. Yom HaZikron, we talk about the dead, but there's also the people who keep walking with those injuries, with those pains. And the worst of the injuries is the spiritual ones. Right, the PTSDs. You know, he's, uh, and so who gets PTSD the most? The most sensitive souls. Mm. And the most giving, so it just, it was heartbreaking to me. Really heartbreaking to know he, every day is Yom HaZikron for him. Wow. Every day is Yom HaZikron. So that was... That was, you know, you, you have to, like, keep it real. You have to keep it fresh. Yeah. You can't get, like, into calcified sound bites of, you, you have to, like, really seek out the heartbreak to connect. Because Hazarim Badima Barina Iksaru, he who, like, sows with tears, uh, reap with joy. So, like, if you're going to really have a good yomatzmaut and a meaningful one, you got to find a way to get down in the dark. Absolutely. I, I do that. I do that a lot. I watch Israeli TV. I watch the hardest shows about what, what happened. And when I meet anybody on Yom HaZikron, I go, who do you remember today? Who do you remember today? I ask him every time. And today, a guy, and today, a, a police officer, I said to him, who do you remember today? And he mentioned a guy that I, showed, I saw the show about the night before, about this guy from the Mistaravim, the, the guys who dress up uh, as Arabs in the Magav unit and in the, in the Border P- Patrol unit and how he was killed. And he was there for that. And I was just like I, like, I felt it. I knew it. And it was just, it touched me twice over. So somebody, you know, anyway. That's a beautiful hat. Thank you. This hat right now I'm wearing, uh, Malka got it for me, and it is ensconced in a flag of Israel. It's a fedora with the flag of Israel. That's right. And tonight uh, is past Yom Zikron. It's now Yom HaTzmaut. Yom HaTzmaut. Give me, give me 60 seconds of how you're feeling tonight. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, uh, the way I've been marking Yom HaTzmaut is I got to retire it. You know, there's a deeper sort of HaTzmaut that we're really looking for. It's not just freedom from. You know, like, we're not under foreign rule. But what does it mean to be under Jewish rule? What does that really mean? What is our mission in the world proactively? And I feel like uh, our, our enemies, Avi Abelo, we're here at his son's bar mitzvah. He said it very well. He said our enemies are taunting us and taunting us and taunting us. At Hashem's behest to wake up the crouching lion that is the Jewish people. And when we pounce, we are going to be ferocious. So that's really what I'm hoping for this Yom Atzmaut this upcoming year. Real Atzmaut. Well, I just got to tell you that I just had a feeling because today, for the first time, I'm going to be embarrassed to tell you, for the first time I went to Ari Fold's tomb. And so I went from Ari Fold's tomb. No, you were at his funeral. No, I was not. You weren't. Yes, I was. I I sort of remember being there with you. I I, I may have blanked it out. I, I, I was... No, I was listening to that funeral... No, I was listening to that funeral as I was in an airport in Florida, crying my face off, like like uh, people thought I was insane. Yeah, I uh, it was hard, uh, but but I'm going from Ari Fool to Ari Yehuda Abramowitz, uh, and you've given that strength of the of the Lion of Judah. So God bless you, Ari. Thank you so much, and have a have a happy Yom Atzmut. And may indeed we look forward to Malchut Israel to the next steps in amen, Zionism. Amen. Amen.
All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, all those voices, all those amazing voices. Those are the voices of, of Judea. Mazal tov to the Abelo family. Uh, and Mazal tov to all of us on today's Yom Atzimut. 74, we are really, we're on a roll. There's much, much, m- many more successes ahead and many more challenges. And thank you, Hashem, for every single moment that you've given us a right to Bechlau. Think about this time. Be part of this time. And Hashem, we only ask for forgiveness that we don't understand the greatness of this moment and that we're too small-minded, too too selfish in our thinking uh, to concentrate on this great time that you've given us and this great opportunity to grow in every single way, including in Torah and Torah of the land of Israel and to really love the land of Israel and invest our time and our money and our fight in making this land stronger and making this time stronger and making our Torah stronger, making ourselves closer to Hashem Hashem, give us the opportunity on this great holiday of Yom Atzimut, the the reborn, um, the re- this reborn Commonwealth, uh, which is really meant to be a channel for your goodness. I want to thank again Moshe Herman Ben Bresky, Yocheved, and Tabitha for getting the show out to the world. I want to thank all of you. Please check out my website, yishayfleischer.com, uh, or write me an email, yishayfleischer.com. It's just that simple. I love to hear from you, and I want to just bring you lots of blessings to connect. And of course, do yourselves a favor. Buy that property in the land of Israel. Drink that wine from the land of Israel. Uh, um, find a way to make a trip to the land of Israel this summer. Um, and and blow up that picture uh, of the land of Israel and put it in your house. And, and open up that chumash and study it uh, and get closer to uh, Hashem who, who's who is revealing himself in this great time. More great stuff is on the way. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And shalom.